glory, glory, hallelujah. What is your idea of glory? Because that is the promise of the gospel today, that the glory that Jesus had with the Father in the beginning would be the glory that we receive. When I first think of glory, I think of bright lights. So will we just shine like light bulbs? Another version of glory, another sort of definition of glory is sort of fame, honor. And so that is all, is that what this promise is, that we will be famous? We will all be sort of honored above all other men? Is that what the Christian life is really about? It doesn't sound very Christian to want to be honored above others. And yet, it's such a beautiful detail of the faith that God wants to give us glory you think about glory as, again, that honor, that fame. It's not the fame among men, but rather it's this honor, it's this fame that comes down from God. It's to hear the voice of our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sanctifier say to us at last, well done, my good and faithful steward. You know, how joyful does a child become when mom or dad, you know, puts their artwork on the fridge and glorifies it glorifies that work, says, well done, my son or daughter. That is the glory that we are longing for. That is the glory we were made for. And so I always think of this glory sort of with three big words, uh, glory in our identity, glory in our mission, and glory in our destiny. You know, God comes to give us his glory, to, to claim us as his own. Again, my son, my daughter, my beloved. In this identity, then, God glorifies us by giving us a mission. You know, well done, my good and faithful steward, you know, doing the works that I do. And then at last, God gives us this taste of our destiny, that we were made for this glory, that every, everything that we find glorious in this world is only a shadow of the glory to come. So we were made for glory. And the church fathers, reading this passage they equated glory. They noticed that this word glory is also being used to stand for someone else, to stand for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, Father, give them the glory that I had with you from the beginning. What was that glory? It was the very life of the Holy Spirit, the very person of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God most high. And so the Holy Spirit glorifies us, glorifies us by claiming us as sons and daughters, glorifies us by putting us forward on our mission in the church and glorifies us by giving us a taste of that glory to come in heaven. And so as we approach the Feast of Pentecost, Pentecost is next Sunday. Everyone get out your red, you know, to join in the church and those tongues of fire descending upon the apostles. You'll break out that Husker year, right? But in our preparation this week, you know, joining with the apostles and Mary, as we heard in that first reading, I think there's some beautiful connections between the readings right before Pentecost and the very beginning of the gospel. You know, in the gospel of Luke, it, what does it begin with? It begins with the angel coming to Mary and declaring that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and that Christ will be grown within her. And so also here at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, the angels, right, come and declare that message to the apostles to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and overshadow them so that Christ will be grown with them. And they have Mary there, Mary to teach them how to go through that experience. 
So to join with Mary this week, definitely, as the apostles join her in the upper room to pray for that spirit, to pray for that overshadowing. And what's more, you know, Jesus himself, you know, says to his father, Father, now is the hour. You know, we remember at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, there was a very similar statement made. You know, Mary saying to Jesus, Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. And yet he does the will of Mary anyway. He sort of foreshadows what he is about to do right at this moment. They have no wine. You know, we have no more glory. We have no more joy. We've run out. And so Jesus comes to have his pierced heart be that unending fountain of glory, of love, of joy. And so uh, to prepare for Pentecost, to prepare for that glory that God wants to instill you with, I just wanted to reflect shortly on the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of glory, and especially in, in these three ways. You know, usually we divide the gifts of the Holy Spirit sort of into three categories. First, the gifts proper. Second, the charisms. And third, the fruits. If you don't know those terminology, just bear with me. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are those gifts, again, that strengthen our identity before God, that give us that glory of our identity as sons and daughters. The gifts begin with fear of the Lord, okay? That sort of fear at coming into a relationship for the first time, being sort of excited, being in wonder and awe, not the sort of fear that backs away, but this fear that like keeps the eyes open. I want that. I want to learn more about this person. And then piety, knowing that you belong to them, knowledge, sharing encounters with them, sharing experiences with them, fortitude, going through trials together, counsel, guiding your life with your friends, understanding, standing under one another, supporting one another, and wisdom, sharing the same mindset, sharing the same mind, the same heart, the same life as your friends. It's, it's a growth in friendship. It's a growth in our identity with God. So to pray for those gifts of the Holy Spirit to be bestowed on you at Pentecost. Second, the charisms. Charisms are gifts of the Holy Spirit to edify us, to build us up in our mission for the church. So there are many charisms, even simple things like encouraging one another can belong to a charism. More extraordinary things like healing, like prophecy, even tongues that express the mysterious wonder of our God. How not everything in the church we can totally understand, and that's okay, because the Holy Spirit always brings us newness. So to ask the Holy Spirit to send forth those charisms upon you, to make them grow within you. You've been instilled with a work that Jesus had. He does the work of the Father, and he gives that work to his disciples. That work has been given to you. So to pray for the Spirit, to confirm you, to glorify you in that work, in that mission. And then finally, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This gift that, again, gives us that foretaste of the glory to come, that foretaste of heaven that confirms us in our destiny. Now, we usually think of nine, but I kind of squeeze them down into three, really. The gifts that belong to happiness, you know, love, joy, and peace. We were made for happiness, and the Spirit can give us that foretaste of the true happiness, true love, true joy, true peace in our lives. That keeps us going forward toward heaven. Second, the gifts that relate to greatness, you know, like patience, like generosity, like kindness, opening up our hearts, having a great heart and a great soul for everyone around us. We were made for greatness, not just for mediocrity. 
And finally, the fruits that pertain to freedom, the gifts of self-control, of gentleness, of faithfulness, of binding ourselves <laughs> to the Lord, and how we find real freedom, real freedom apart from those chains that sort of bind us, that control us in sin, we find that power within, that power within, that power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray with that early church, come Holy Spirit. We pray with Mary that the Holy Spirit would overshadow us, would make us bear good fruit, fruit that will last to bear glory in us, bear with us those gifts of the Spirit, those charisms, those fruits. Come Holy Spirit, renew the face of the earth.